Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. Uh, happy to have you joining us here for episode 30 as we're jumping back into this uh, two weeks in a row. Got some streak of recordings going on. Jim, hey, and how are you? I, I am good. And uh, for those that do watch on the YouTube feed, which is not the vast majority of people uh, who watch this, we went with a little different look here uh, this week. We'll see if that uh, people like it or they don't, or I don't know. It was just something I played with. So we got a little, we're, we're a little smaller, which maybe is good. I don't know. Um, and we got a fun back, you know, metal background because it's 1990s indie wrestling. So everything has to have a chain link background, right? Yeah, I was really wrestling. I think, I feel like we're like WCW Pro going on. Yes, in, in the that does feel a little bit. Yeah. I really should work on the font for Two Spot Monkeys and see if I can find a good WCW font. They're probably out there on the internet somewhere, right? Well, well we, this is an this is an Easter egg if you're not if you haven't watched us on YouTube. So if you're listening on on your favorite podcast platform, check us out on YouTube so you can find this Easter egg, and there'll be right. one later on in the show too. That's right. Have a little fun with it. Uh, oh, you know, I did forget to put one thing on our rundown. I'll talk about that later. We got to update uh, at the end of the show. We'll have to update our our NFL picks from last week and and make our picks for this week as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I just told you that live on the air when nobody knows that we had a conversation before the show started. But let's talk wrestling first, Tom, and then we'll get into football at the end of it. Uh, as of last week's show, you had not seen the last two matches of New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom. So we talked about the head-to-head and matches up to that point. You had a two-match lead at that point. Um, you had you were perfect, in fact, going into that point um, on the two shows. And I obviously had missed two matches. But we did have one more match that had a difference in it. We both had Hiromu Takahashi over Taiji Ishimori, and we were both correct on that pick, obviously. And then uh, in the main event, I had Kota Ibushi, you had Jay White, and the Phoenix rises. Kota Ibushi retains his title, and maybe rising from the ashes is my hopes for the 2021 first half head-to-head. So there's one match difference after... 11 matches, uh, two shows, which is great, especially the way things went for me at the end of last year. Uh, so Tom is 10 and one. I am nine and two after those two shows. And our next pickums will be the Royal Rumble. Uh, I believe we are not doing pickums for Impact's pay per view this weekend uh, because neither Tom nor I watch Impact regularly. And at best, we'd be making guesses. We are doing pickums in our fantasy league for it for fun, but uh, I'm not willing to risk our competition on Impact. Just not doing it. <laughs> but uh, so th- I never put up that. There's our head-to-head update. Uh, Tom still with the lead, but only one match so far. And uh, we we hinted at it last time, and, and Tom and I will still have to hammer this out. But we'll probably have some uh, maybe a little creative way of doing some picks for the Rumble um, that maybe can hopefully not bury either of us, but also give us a few more things to pick. Since traditionally that's not as many matches on that show because you got the two Rumbles that eat up a whole lot of time on those shows. Um, We won't talk a lot of Royal Rumble uh, build today, although we are going to talk Raw and Drew McIntyre a little bit later. But uh, before we get to all of that, final thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom, especially those last two matches, Tom. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I was able to remain spoiler-free even after we recorded. I don't believe I watched the final two matches still for about another, another day, day and a half or so just with a lot of moving parts we recorded late in the week last week so then it's the weekend and then people aren't in work people aren't in school all the routines come up uh 
nonetheless, spoiler free is a good thing because I enjoyed both of those matches greatly and did not know uh, and was rooting very hard for Jay White because, of course, I wanted the pick em point as well. Uh, um, really, really top notch matches across the board. Um, they weren't um, they weren't like for me like the top of the list when the week was done it was still okada and osprey it was still naito and abushi and it was still shingo and jeff cobb that being said you know that's just my flavor you know I'm, i won't i won't be mad at anyone nor would i even think to it's not even fair um if, if those other matches were your flavor they were great love the idea in the in the main event um Actually, I'll pause there. I'll get to that in a second. Um, enjoy Hiromu. Enjoy Ishimori. This match was great. They had, in my opinion, a better match. I want to say it was two years ago in Best of Super Juniors. Uh, so I've had that match as kind of uh, in the back of my mind. It wasn't completely fresh, but I think a good comparison would be uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, you know, when you do something amazing the first time it's you're hard pressed to do something amazing the second time. Uh, so there's, so there's that, uh, main event, uh, longest match in the history of Tokyo dome, uh, over 48 minutes in length did not feel like a 48 minute match. Um, in, incredible drama in the match, incredible athleticism, uh, not mad at all that Ibushi won outside of the, uh, our competition and really excited to see, uh, where Ibushi goes next. I, we obviously know because we saw, you know, the challenge from Sonata uh, and they'll build to, I think it's new beginning when they're going to have that match. So that's exciting. Yeah, no, totally agreed. And I think Kabushi Sonata is going to be really, really good too. Um, I'm with you. Uh, Takahashi and Ishimori, they were great. They, they had a great match. Um, the one a couple of years ago probably was better, but that's kind of like saying, you know, your favorite ice cream is a little bit better than your second favorite ice cream. Um, you know, so that's not to downplay that match in any way. It was really enjoyable. Um, I, I think I liked Ibushi and white actually better than Naito and Ibushi, um, on night one. And again, we're talking two really good flavors of ice cream here, you know, I mean, so, um, it's hard to say that, um, I would probably have that match third, um, on my rankings, uh, behind Okada Osprey, which would be number one. And uh, Shingo Jeff Cobb would be my two. And I actually would move. It. And again, hard for me to say Ibushi and Naito would have been my fourth favorite match out of those two nights. But it's just because there were four really strong matches um, that all I think are. You can make an argument. I agree with you. Anybody who wants to arrange those matches in any other order, uh, I can't be mad at you about that. Um, or some other matches even that we've seen. Um, we're not really talking NXT this week, but uh, I thought the last woman standing match was very good at, at New Year's Evil. You know, there's been, we have had some really good wrestling here in the first 14 days of 2021. Well, and it's and it's actually, to me, a stark contrast because I was thinking of it this week because I'm actually, <laughs> shocker, all of our listeners, hold on to your seats. Uh, I'm actually fully caught up on everything. There's nothing on my DVR that I have yet to watch. So um, you uh, call the Nebraska 911 system for me. <laughs> uh, I feel a little tightness. Uh. It, it's unbelievable, right? So, uh, but for me, it's, there's been a stark contrast in the quality of wrestling. Not to say that, that things this week have not been been high quality, but last week was super upper echelon upper echelon match of the year quality this year there or this week excuse me there's just been in my opinion some really good matches but nothing that's happened this week that i've seen has even come close to the ballpark of where we were last week yeah 
no, I would agree with that. Um, so I, w- I would give Wrestle Kingdom a, a massive thumbs up. Um, you and I were both already there last week. Uh, I don't imagine that the last two matches did anything to make you downgrade that show um, as a whole. And I, you know, I would have been stunned if they would have because those those four gentlemen are are all very, very talented people um, who I'm looking forward to seeing where things go. Um, we know that uh, New Beginning, Ibushi will take on Sonata, as you mentioned. Uh, Jay White, I don't even know if he's on the New Beginning cards. Uh, Not announced right now. Yeah, there's a little okay. bit of mystery about Jay White. Yep, there's a little bit of, of mystery about whether he is signed, isn't signed. Um, maybe that's what they want you to think, is that there's mystery. Uh, so we'll see. And Hiromu Takahashi defending a show at New Beginning, which should also be super, super good. Uh, Shingo defends against Hiroshi Tanahashi. I don't know that I'm going to love that, but we'll see. Tanahashi. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Like Tanahashi, I mean, whether, whether he wants to call himself still the ace or not, he is the ace. Uh, even in his, in his, you know, the, the sunsetting ages of his career. I think that's going to be pretty awesome. I hope it is. I hope it is. Maybe it's just that, I, you know, when guys get to this point of their career, whether they're in New Japan or WWE or wherever, um, you know, I remember Tanahashi and Okada at, at the Dome, you know, all of those years that it seems like they did that, you know, every year for five years. Um, and I know it wasn't, it was probably three. Um, and how great those matches were and where Tanahashi is now, you know, he isn't that guy anymore. I mean, he's gotten older and, and that's okay. Um, I kind of hope Shingo doesn't kill him, but <laughs> because he's, you know, just lays his stuff in, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, it may be good for Shingo to have a match with somebody that it's probably not going to be a Jeff Cobb or a Minoru Suzuki type match where they just beat the ever-loving stuffing out of each other. Um, somebody that he's going to have to show that he can work a little different style with. Uh, that'll probably be good for Shingo for his uh, his overall career and as he moves on to other things, hopefully from the Never Open title down the road. Um, it'll, it'll be good to see a different side of Shingo. Um, so New Japan, very excited. I will tell you right now, probably not going to watch any of the road to the new beginning shows because I'm just not going to have the time. Um, but I will give my time most likely to the new beginning shows, uh, when they start airing a little bit later this month, I think the first there's one, and then there's back to back nights a, a couple of weeks later or a week later. Um, the first one I think is maybe the end of next week. Does that sound right to you, Tom? It's the 30th the day before the the day before the rumble yeah yeah and 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 then too just to kind of put this out there uh you know and it's it's important for us and our listeners because it was a big part of a lot of our conversation in the summer they're already bringing back new japan cup new japan cup set for march so that'll be a fun uh just to kind of look into the future we'll be there before we know it absolutely and for those who are listening uh who may have taken part in the new japan cup pickums that we did uh tournament bracket that we did um assuming that they announce everything ahead of time which i they always do so i'm sure they will uh yes i will probably plan to run another one in march which will run coinciding with you know potentially an ncaa bracket which none of us got to do last year because covid so um there could be a whole lot of tournament goodness happening in march um in our lives and tom and i both love tournaments whether they're wrestling basketball baseball football we don't know what football tournaments look like because our teams don't usually play in the playoffs. But anyways, uh, football talk at the end of the show. So we'll leave that there for now. Uh, your team didn't make the playoffs and mine forgot to show up. Tom, 
the next topic I put on here is simply raw. Yeah, and actually, just before we jump to Raw, uh, yeah. I'd, lo I'd love to just take a minute just to connect back on SmackDown um, just yes. from last week. Because I think there's two, two. there's actually a couple important things. The whole show was actually pretty good from top to bottom. But um, we have a challenger for Roman Reigns' universal title, and it's not someone that we saw coming. Uh, not to use yeah, the WWE's great tagline. Um, but I think more so, like, I I thought it was a great, uh, I, wanna, I don't want to call it a coming out party. Uh, uh, and I dare, I, I feel bad calling it a recharge, but Shinsuke Nakamura, if, if you wanted to do something with him now, WWE, you've got him on the doorstep. Like, you use that platform to really bring him back up to the, to the. Peyton to the Royce. <laughs> to the talent we knew, uh, then we knew who he was uh, and, and what he was. I mean, I, he just, you know, it's WWE, it's the style. We're not going to see the Shinsuke Nakamura of New Japan. We, we did get a little sample of that, I think, when he was in NXT. But uh, in this main roster run, um, there's been few and far between. Uh, that, was, that was pretty awesome. And it appeared to be maybe a, a face turn of sorts. I don't know for sure. Uh, but that was like... Like, you know, if you were to say, what was your favorite part of SmackDown? It was Shinsuke Nakamura. And, and I think it will be interesting, and I agree with you, if they want to do something with Nakamura, and this is what frustrates me to no end with WWE. They just showed you that they can do it. <laughs> if they want to do something with somebody, they know how to do it. They just do such a terrible job of following up on it. And I think it's really going to be interesting to watch tomorrow night um, on Friday night with SmackDown or whenever you see SmackDown, whenever I see SmackDown, um, how do they follow up on it? I am really curious to see that because I cared more about Nakamura watching SmackDown than I've cared about Nakamura in a couple of years. Easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's sad because when he came into WWE, I was so excited when they brought him up to the main roster. I was so excited when he won the Royal Rumble and he went to WrestleMania and was going to fa and faced AJ Styles. Is that right? Yeah, was yep. yeah, that was AJ. Yep. Um, I mean, and then they didn't put him over at Ania. And I feel like from that point on, it was just like, well, you know. And, and go back two years from that, uh, when he debuted in Dallas. I mean, we were in Dallas when that happened. We weren't, unfortunately, able to go to that takeover. But the buzz that weekend within our group of friends and where we were going and what we were doing and, you know, his shirts being sold out at Access. Like, you couldn't get a shirt. Uh I mean, good grief. I mean, granted, that's four years ago, five years ago now almost, but still, like, it's lightning in a bottle. And and, yep. and your point's very well taken. Like, WWE has the ability to kind of flip the switch or snap the fingers and do that for a talent. So that's that's good, but it also speaks to the talent. Like, he's right. always had it. So, and, and my frustration comes that they don't do that. Yeah. that. That we get, okay, let's talk about it for a quick second. We get the 7,042nd match between Dolph Ziggler, Robert, Robert Roode, and the Street Profits. And as I said to you just before we recorded, I don't care that Ziggler and Roode won because they've lost so many times before that there are nobody. And yeah, if you get 7,000 title shots, you're probably going to win one at some point. Um, I, and they're going to lose them back within a month, is my guess. They're yeah. Lose them back. You can probably call that like a WWE predictable unpredictability, for lack of a better term. Right. You know, you put the belts on somebody that nobody saw coming, and then you take them off them that quick. Um, you know, you do this Nakamura build, you know, and, and honestly, when they announced the gauntlet match, I was like, oh, okay, it's Daniel Bryan at the Rumble. It'll be Daniel Bryan and uh, 
which would have been interesting because Brian had already entered the Rumble. He had already said he was going to be in the Rumble, and then he was in this gauntlet match. So, eh, look at that. We don't pay attention to details, do we? Um, but, you know, that possibility could still have been there. I thought, okay, Brian's going to win it, because that's certainly a bigger match on SmackDown that you can do um, is Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan for the, for the Universal title at some point. I certainly think Brian has a chance to win the Rumble now because of the way they've told that story. Um, and hey, I'm all for that because I love me some Daniel Bryan too. Um, Bryan and Nakamura are awesome in the ring together. Shocking, right? Those two guys. Um, but I cared more about Nakamura and then I realized what they were doing. Because the minute they said Adam Pierce was in it, I was like, are they going to find a way out of this maybe? And then when Nakamura won won the gauntlet, but yet everybody knew he didn't because we already knew Adam Pierce was in it. Like there was a little bit of an awkward, why are they acting like he won it when he didn't? Um, and then I was like, oh my God, they're going to do that. They're going to go with Adam Pierce. Um, now I think it'll be interesting. Does Adam Pierce actually work this match at the Rumble, or do they do something and get Kevin Owens back into that spot? Because that certainly seems like it's not a done situation um and and they could do something like that i i kind of hope this i if you would have told me i was about to say this phrase i would have told you you were a liar i kind of hope they stay with pierce because you and i have seen scrap daddy from back in the day he was an nwa champion like five different times or something like that i can't remember um, he actually went to college with a friend of mine. So they're they're actually friends from college, um, which is crazy. I saw him on a picture one time on her Facebook, and I was like, that's Adam Pierce. What is Adam Pierce doing in your pictures? Yeah, she's friends with him. If they do it, give Adam Pierce some hope spots. Let him hit a couple of moves. Um, you know, for a guy who was a journeyman wrestler and was all over the country and all over the world working, he gets one shot at the Royal Rumble. Um, and it's not even in the Rumble. It's a universal title match with Roman Reigns. Um, you know, don't have him just eat a spear. And Roman Reigns doesn't tend to work those those squash matches, even when they should be squash matches. He does this like, I'm going to punish you forever in a day, and you're going to get one or two hope spots. Um, I don't know. I, I actually... Is it going to be a match of the year? No, it's not. But could it be entertaining? It could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for that, and I'm... I mean, again, it, it could be an incredibly emotional match. And if they, I know they don't like to talk about what you've done before you showed up in WWE because that doesn't matter to them. But here's an opportunity where you could say, hey, he's, he's our official, he, but he's a former wrestler. Uh, and so here's his chance. And, and I could see Roman abusing him or toying with him and then it causing Pierce to let the emotions overtake him and then to, to fight back finally. Uh, and, if, and if they do it and do it well, it could be really good. And Corey Graves most likely crossed paths with Adam Pierce at some point. Uh, so he would be a perfect person to be able to tell that story. I kind of almost wish it was on Raw because I know Joe crossed paths with him. I think I probably have seen some Ojo and Adam Pierce matches um, back in the Ring of Honor days. So, um, you know, Joe would have been a great person to help tell that story, but it's a SmackDown story, so it'll probably be um, Colin Graves. But uh, I have no doubt that Graves crossed paths with Adam Pierce when he was Sterling James Keenan back in the day. Spoiler alert for those who didn't know. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I I hope they tell that story because it could be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, 
when I first saw it, I went, what the? And then I was like, oh, all right. I think I, I it was spoiled for me before I had seen SmackDown. Um, I was scrolling something on Facebook or Twitter. And so the match graphic pops up, you know, Roman Reigns and Adam Pierce at the Royal Rumble. I went, what? <laughs> who, who did the Photoshop? Come on. Right. Like, haha, funny. And then I went, oh my God, I think this is real. Um, but then once I did watch it and saw it play out, yeah, not bad. Not bad the way they did it. Um, but do something with Nakamura. Don't Peyton Royce him. Do not Peyton Royce him. Um, that she, that she is now a verb. Do not Peyton Royce Shinsuke Nakamura. Speaking of Peyton Royce. Because she, she wasn't on Raw. <laughs> Lacey decided to hang out with Ric Flair instead of Peyton Royce. So Raw, I, there's a few different ways we can go with this. We're going to talk about Drew McIntyre in a minute, so let's leave that to the side. Um, you know, Raw was an interesting show this week. Um, you mentioned before we started recording, you know, you got Jeff Hardy works two matches. You got Matt Riddle, or Riddle, sorry, works two matches. Um, okay. Um, you my, got... da my daughter happened to be in the room when I was watching that match on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and she goes, why is his name Riddle? So that was just funny. And I go, <laughs> it's, it's not just Riddle, but. But that's what they're calling him because. If you Google Matt Riddle, it's going to show up some of the allegations that have come against him. Because if you just Google wrestler Riddle, it's not going to bring up the same Google results. Anyways, the mind of Vince McMahon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that was why they changed his name. He could be just the original bro. No, that, that would actually be better. Uh, or just, you know what? They probably would have just called him bro. <laughs> Yeah, they don't, like, they don't like more than one one syllable names. <laughs> right. Uh anyways, names, names, names. Um Jackson Riker getting the win over Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy and Elias rivaling Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode and the Street Profits for how many times they can wrestle each other. Meanwhile, you got a whole bunch of people on the raw roster that weren't on the show, some of whom I've read were there, Cedric Alexander and other folks, Shelton Benjamin. Um I don't know what that means, um, given that obviously there is some some level, as we're going to talk in a moment, of COVID that's gone through WWE. But they were—I have heard that they were there, so I don't think that's the situation. Um, I don't know. It was—it was a weird show. But hey, T-Bar got a win. There's a there's our retribution spot for the week. Absolutely. And you know, the funny thing was part of like they had this little storyline going where Retribution was losing all their matches and Ali was getting Mustafa Ali was getting more and more angry each week with Reckoning and with Slapjack and for losing matches. And I kind of felt like now T Bar wins a match and I it just felt like okay, he won a match. Like Ali was happy, but it wasn't like this major turning point now for Retribution. And maybe it will be down the road, but they didn't play it up like they finally got a win. Um so what was the point of doing all that stuff where he was getting mad? Um, now, maybe T-Bar will be the only one who can win matches, and, and there will be something that bubbles up around that. But Well, uh, and, and where's Rick, where's Ricochet? Like, that's the perfect opportunity to, to beat down Woods after the match and have Ricochet make the yeah. save, just continue that story. He was listed as being at the show backstage, and they just didn't use him. Yeah, well, again, let, we don't need to beat a dead horse. Uh, what I will say is the two things that really stuck out 
besides what we'll talk about with Drew McIntyre, uh, for me, are just the Keith Lee Sheamus thing, which it appeared to be that they you would think that they it looks like they've moved they they've put a fork in it and it's done. But this is WWE, so just like you said, Jeff Hardy Elias, seven thousandth match. Who knows? We could see Keith Lee Sheamus next week. But it appeared to be like just a weird issue. Like strange bedfellows without a doubt. Um and the way it played out is, of course, they beat they beat the Miz and Morrison, and then they went to commercial break, and then they were brawling, and then they had a match, and Keith Lee won. That, uh, that was the part that threw me was like nothing really happened in the match, or if it did, I missed it. Um, but nothing really happened in the match that was that like that they should be at each other's throats at the end of the match, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they come back, and it was like they just had to beat on each other, like yeah. I, brothers fight. I guess I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. Uh, and my other thing was just, uh, I, lo- I love the closing angle with Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. Uh, the Triple H stuff was a little goofy and hokey because the fact that the COO just disappeared with a uh, flaming uh, sledgehammer um, and doesn't have any explanation, I don't know. Uh, but I wish almost that this is what had happened the week after the way Raw ended with Randy Orton with the match. Like that would have made a whole lot more sense to me chronologically. The fact that we had that week of Legends Night and all the stuff that happened with Orton was good. Um, and I don't think that if they had done this last week, it would have overshadowed Goldberg. I mean, I really think like there's two different WWE universes right now, for lack of a better term. There's like the the wrestling universe, and then there's the gimmick universe. And this is without a doubt the gimmick universe. Yeah, I I really liked it. I liked. Um, that she had pain written across her glove. Um, I, they didn't really mention that, and I thought that was a little odd because I had seen a picture before I had seen the end of Raw. I got to stop being on social media until I watch these shows. But I had seen a picture of the fireball and and her with her hand under her chin, and I thought, well, that's just a really weird place for her to hold her hand while she's shooting with the other hand. Like, what is that? And then once I watched it and was able to see you know, the couple of seconds right before that where her hand came up and it said pain. Um, I Oh, okay. Well, that makes a ton of sense. And I like the fact that Alexa had the guts, whatever you want to say, to pull the trigger basically or drop the match or whatever analogy you want to use. And Randy didn't two weeks ago. So I, I really did like that. The Triple H disappearing thing, I agree. It was a little bit cheesy and you could tell obviously it was pre-recorded because of that. Um, but it's the fiend universe and weird things happen in the fiend universe. Um, so I don't love it necessarily when things like that happen, but if they're happening within the context of the fiend storyline, I guess I come to accept it, whether I, you know, whether it makes a ton of sense or not, I just kind of go, okay, it's the fiend. So weird things happen. I mean, they lit a dude on fire. Um, so, you know, I guess triple H and his flaming, I thought the flaming sledgehammer was well done though. Um, as far as you didn't see it. And then all of a sudden he brings it up and it's flaming and kind of the look in his eyes. I also did like when the fiend, when the lights first went down, the first set of lights went down, triple H had a look of fear on his face. And I thought that was really good because triple H is the game. He's the King of Kings. He's the blah, 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 blah. And I understand he kind of had to work that match because of what we're about to talk about with Drew McIntyre. And they kind of had to punt at the last minute and, of who they probably had available to them. That was probably the way to go. Um, 
So I, I get why he was there in the match. Uh, but I thought to have the game, Triple H, the legend, afraid of the Fiend, gave back, even if just for a moment, gave back a little of that aura that the Fiend, I think, has lost over some time because of the way that they've done things with him. Um, so I like that. I'm also a Fiend fan. I just like the character, and I, I like what they do, even though it's hokey, and I have to suspend a ton more disbelief than I do for any amount of wrestling. Um, I like horror movies, too, and I have to, so I kind of look at it that way. Um, and some people don't like that, I know, and that's fine. I totally get it. Um, but I enjoy it. I'm looking out. I'm looking for the Fiend Ultimate Edition. I know that. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that later when you unbox things. I don't know what you ordered. So, um, but that that figure looks awesome to me. So, big Fiend fan. Well, should we talk about Drew? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the major story, and this broke before Raw went on the air, was the uh, the disclosure uh, that Drew McIntyre had tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, so just before we get into this, it's been really interesting because I had a coworker recently who tested positive. We're all working remotely, um, so we're not we're not really moving, you know, within within an organization or a workplace. You battled it, you know, in 2020, Jim. Your wife did as well. So I want to just start by saying, you know, because this is this pandemic's been horrible and the death toll is seemingly insurmountable and as a nation, we, we continue to wrestle and just not wrap our arms around this. You know, I watched the news tonight. And there's 30 million uh, COVID vaccines out there, and they've only distributed a third of those. I mean, that's that's, that's sadly like just a microcosm of, of the chaos in the United States. So any of our international friends that might be listening to this, I don't know how good or bad things are for you guys. But, you know, I love my country. I always will. But things are just not where they need to be. So I, I preface all of this in that statement just by going, we need to stop if we are, if we're not. And I, and I wrestle with it myself that getting COVID-19 isn't a scarlet letter. Like you're not like bastardized because you get COVID. But there's such a heightened awareness and concern for the spread of it that I think that's where things come into play. Uh, and with that, we have not heard anything. I think from the beginning of the pandemic until now, the way WWE has run their programming across all of their platforms, you don't hear any acknowledgement of it. You, they don't make a deal about wearing masks. Uh, when you see some of the docs that they've done on the network, there's a little bit more of kind of the behind the scenes and the human side, like not the character side, even though they are the characters. Um, so I think it was pretty amazing if we're, if we're, if we're talking about this, that you had their world champion, and again, I know we had the world title and the universe title, but this is this is the old winged eagle title belt that is now morphed into what it is now. So it is the world title. You have, you have the, your world champion coming out to begin the show and, and making a statement about this disease. I, I, I was, I was, I was I mean, I thought it was appropriate, but I was also stunned. Like, like, like when, when, when and how did Vince McMahon, because again, he calls the shots, make this decision and why 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 drew mcintyre I, I have a couple of thoughts but i'd love to hear how how you received that news and what you thought and how it landed with you yeah i i agree with you they have not said the words covid19 on their programming i don't think until monday night uh, 
I think they at very early when they canceled like SmackDown in Detroit and they did it at the Performance Center and Bailey talked to all the fans who weren't there, um, like they were sitting in the crowd. Uh, and look, I'm I don't mean to rag on Bailey, like they were trying to figure it out at that point and working in an empty arena is not something most of them have ever done or, you know, some of them have worked shows in front of like four fans when they were working indies, but uh, this was, this was a different thing, but they talked about like, because of the global health situation and things like that. I don't think they had used the words COVID-19 until Drew McIntyre said them, Um, or maybe the announcer said that he had COVID, you know, before his, his little promo thing. Um, I loved that. It wasn't just, I, I figured to be perfectly honest when they said he was going to address it, I figured one of two things, either they were going to strip him of the title, which I would have hated because in most cases, unless he was affected awfully by this disease, you know, a couple of weeks, hopefully he'll be rare and ready to go. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in a lot of other places. There certainly are risks for prolonged problems from it. um, Even if you're not symptomatic, uh, which he has said he is not symptomatic, at least as of Monday night, he wasn't. Um, and so certainly I'm sure they're going to be checking all of those things. You know, they should be checking a lot of those things anyways, just because of the the sport and what they do um, as far as keeping an eye on people's hearts and things like that. Um, blood clots are a problem after COVID sometimes too. So I'm sure they're going to be keeping an eye on those kinds of things as well. But I, I was a little afraid that either they were going to drop the title, which I would have hated just because let's see how this plays out for the guy before, you know, obviously it was a new thing. He'd been on the show the week before. Um, or I thought it was going to be, hey, guys, sorry, I can't be there tonight. I have COVID-19. And Bill Goldberg, here's what I'm going to do to you. you know. And they would have just gone past it. The fact that they split those two promos into two different, totally different things. And when he talked about him having COVID, he gave that kind of public service announcement, like you said, where he said, wear your mask, socially distance, do these things. WWE has not pushed any of that on their, on their programming, like you said, at all. Um, And frankly, I think they've been wrong to not do that because they have a voice. Um, Now, obviously, we know there aren't fans there or there are very few fans, you know, at the Capitol Wrestling Center. And how many of those are actually students, not fans? Um, You know, the Thunderdome has had no fans because it's all the video screens, that kind of thing. So you know what they're doing, but they're not saying it. They're not naming it. AEW, on the other hand, has said you know, we've got 400 fans here tonight. They're socially distanced. Everybody's wearing their masks. We're doing things to keep everybody safe. So they're naming it. Even if they're not saying COVID-19 a lot, they're saying it some. Um, they've talked very honestly about, hey, Scorpio Sky was supposed to be on the show tonight, but he was, you know, exposed to somebody. Um, he's not sick at this point, but out of an abundance of caution, you know, he's not going to be on the show tonight. We'll get his match in next week or the week after when he's ready to go. Um I know that happened with him at one point. I know that's happened with some others. Chris Jericho just came out and said that he had COVID back in September. I would have to look back and see if he missed two weeks of, of uh, AEW. There's, there's, I'm curious because um, I feel like he's always on the show. Um, but I also know for a while they were taping some too. So perhaps he got lucky and had it at a point where they were off for a week or two. Um Frankly, Chris Jericho has also, you know, hosted some people on his podcast who have been kind of, you know, COVID's a myth, COVID's a hoax type folks too. So there's a whole different level and that could be a whole nother podcast at a whole nother time. Uh, 
and I don't really want to get into the political ramifications of it too much, other than to say I think WWE, well, I take them to task that they hadn't done anything like this before. I give them credit that they did this on Monday night and that they were honest about Drew McIntyre. And they didn't say, oh, he was attacked in the parking lot and we'll see him again in two weeks or whatever. Um, or Drew's so mad at Goldberg that he just, you know, he refused to come to work this week. Um, something stupid. They, they come up with lots of stupid reasons why people miss when they're hurt or when they're sick or when they have a family emergency. Uh, they were honest. I don't know if Drew was part of the decision-making process and said, I just want to be honest about this. I'm going I'm going to say something on my Twitter. So you might as well let me say it on raw or, or whatever. Um, but I'm glad they did it. I, I do think part of the reason that they decided now to do it is because it was Drew McIntyre and it wasn't Caleb Braxton or, you know, there's been rumors that Corey Graves had it when he missed a few weeks. Um, you know, some others have said that they have been positive in the past. I can't remember now who Caleb Braxton's the first one that comes to mind. She actually has said she said it twice, um, which goodness. Um, I'm thinking they did it though, because it was Drew and it's their champion and they felt like they could earn some points maybe with, with Drew saying that. Yeah. And, and, and of course we'll never know. I don't think, I don't think at least we'll ever know. So the interesting thing will be, you know, hopefully he recovers quickly again, being, being symptom free, but still having it, you know, he's going to clearly have to test clean, uh, test negative and, and have it be out of a system to get back for what is arguably top three match at the rumble top four match at the rumble. Uh, right. I mean, you got, top four, yeah. 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 Two title matches and two rumbles without a doubt. So, so that's, and, and, and beyond all that, of course, you know, his health and wellness is important His long-term health and, and any potential exposure that might've happened. And again, and again, right. I know they'll do their do their due diligence to to work through that. It's just it, it's such a stark contrast from what they weren't doing to do this. And then when you see all of the other pro sports and how they're communicating and handling it, even furthermore AEW, like you mentioned. So again, there's no game plan for this. Uh, I feel like honesty and transparency is is the better road to take. But we're also talking about WWE here. So, well, and look at Ring of Honor. You know, they had four stars who. Um, I assume in most cases, a couple of them have come out and said it, tested positive before on the, on the test they took before they were going to travel to the final battle tapings. So they didn't come. And Ring of Honor very quickly got out in front of that and said, these four people are not going to appear because they didn't meet, you know, what they have to to be able to travel by no fault of their own. It wasn't I the way I said that made it sound like it was their fault. Um, no fault of their own at all. And it certainly Ring of Honor didn't make it sound like their fault at all. Um so they were out in front of it. So kudos for WWE to catching up to what AEW and Ring of Honor and others have been doing. Um, it, it's about time. and uh, But most importantly, like you said, um, all of our best wishes to Drew McIntyre. Hope he recovers quickly. Hope he stays symptom-free. Symptom that would be great um, for him personally. Forget wrestling for a minute. Um, and then just a quick pivot, because um, I know we got a couple of other things and we're trying to watch um, so we don't go to Broadway here tonight. But uh I did like his second promo um, when he did accept the challenge from Bill Goldberg. You and I talked about last week that the whole he doesn't respect the veterans thing was just weird. And when they replayed Goldberg doing it, it was still weird. Like, I was like, okay, so they're not even going to try to edit that out. Because I thought, well, maybe they'll change, you know, maybe Goldberg went off script or something. Uh, 
nope, <laughs> they, they stayed with it. Um, but they had Drew respond to that and basically say, you know, what's your issue? Um, but I like too that he ended it with Goldberg, you're next. Um, yeah, the ironic part of that that segment and that challenge, and I read this after the fact, of course, is that Keith Lee and Drew went long. Drew was supposed to cut a promo that would have led to what Goldberg said. But how do you how do you doing live TV and how do you with him backstage? Not, I mean, the guy's a veteran. Like, I'm not saying he's good on the mic. But he's a veteran. So how do you how do you not say, hey, those bullet points we ran over with you earlier, they're out the window now. I, I don't I don't know I don't know. So, but we got what we got, and and they did their best, I think, to to try to further the story and fill in the holes on Monday. That's that's interesting to know, and, and would have made tons more sense than what we saw a couple of yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, flip flip companies here and talk a little AEW New Year's Bash. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because we hadn't seen it. Um, but now both of us have seen both shows from uh, New Year's Bash. We don't necessarily need to go match by match or anything like that. But uh, let's maybe go night by night. Um, night one, um, I'll run down the results just real quick, just to jog your memory in case there's anything, um, Tom, that you want to talk about. But the Young Bucks and uh, Kazarian and Daniels beat the Acclaimed and TH2. Uh, Wardlow beat Jack, Jake Hager. Cody beat Matt Seidel. Cody Rhodes beat Matt Seidel. Uh, Hikaru Shida beat Abaddon to retain her title, and then Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix uh, had a spectacular match uh, to end the night, and Kenny Omega keeps his title. And then, of course, we had the angle at the end with Omega, the Good Brothers, and the Young Bucks, which then had a strange twist on night two, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but, my initial thoughts, Omega Phoenix, just as great as I thought it was going to be. Really, really strong match. Omega wasn't losing the title. We knew that. Um, you know, they're just getting going with this Omega title reign, so he's not losing that title anytime soon. Ray Phoenix is a great wrestler, and maybe someday will be the AEW world champion. Um, but it's not now. Um, so, But nothing wrong with that match. Um, I enjoyed night one as a whole. Um, and I, I will say I liked that Wardlow got the win in that Battle of the Hosses. I like Wardlow. There's a little something there for me for him. And so I like that uh, they didn't just go with the what would have been to me the easy booking and put Jake Hager over. Um, they gave the young guy the win. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Omega Phoenix was phenomenal. Uh, again, so back to my comment earlier where I said that whole first week of January, there were bangers. There were bangers in New Japan. There were bangers in WWE. There were bangers in AEW. There's been a lot of good wrestling this week, but no bangers. They got the bangers out of the way. Um, but yeah, that's top, that's top five of the year for me, without a doubt, right now. Um, and and again, it was it was a nice, different pace match from what we were like. So when you think of what you thought of last week, like Raquel and and Rhea and Drew and Keith and the New Japan, you know, quartet or or five some, if you will. This was different. This was different. Like even if you thought you could compare it to Takahashi and and Ishimori, it wasn't. It wasn't the same. So just great. And like when you talk about some some innovative athleticism, that was on display there. And that post match angle, holy smokes, was that fantastic. Like I I kind of thought we might get there eventually. Not that specific angle, but like the Good Brothers showing up. Um, but the way it ended was super cool. Um, 
gave me like NWO vibes back mm-hmm. from back from the day. Um, the only other thing I'll say just earlier in the show, um, there, there's a clearly a story that they're building. They, I think they launched at the end of 2020 with Daniels and Kassarian. The next time they lose, they're done. So clearly there's going to be, you know, a win streak for a period of time. And in, we know how this plays out, I believe, but they get the shot with the Bucks, and they unfortunately either unseat the Bucks or or can't, which I th- or, or or I think will happen. They can't unseat the Bucks, and that's the end of that component of SCU. Do you see when they when they break apart when they lose that match? Does one of them go heel? Does you'd have you'd have to think so. Um, I I could see Christopher Daniels really taking a step back and being more of a coach. Um, Oh. But I don't. But I don't know. I I can see Daniels going the heel route. I'd love to see the Fallen Angel one last time. Get get him a run. You know, let him remember who he is, kind of thing. Um, I I would enjoy that. But I always loved the Fallen Angel character back. You know, twenty years ago or whatever it was, eighteen years ago. Um, you know, when he was at his height as the Fallen Angel. Uh, I was a big Christopher Daniels fan back then. Still am. And. Uh, from all accounts, one of the super nicest guys too that you'll ever meet. So, kudos to him, and I agree. Yeah, he's gonna he'll move into a coaching role. Kazarian's probably not far behind him. Perfect, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think that'll be interesting. The other piece was uh, they set up a match for night two. Then, I, I think the wording was interesting. Uh, night one, Miro challenged Chuck and said, "You're going to be my young boy if you lose." On night two, he's going to be his butler if he loses not as young boy. I, my guess is somebody there's some, so the young boys of course are the, the trainees in the Japanese dojos. And I think there's always been some unwritten accusations of maybe some harassment to the young boys. And I just wonder if somebody went, can we maybe choose a different phrase um, and maybe just stay away from a phrase that could you know, bring up some interesting things, or maybe it's just the idea of calling me a young boy. Um, and now the way you're going to treat the young boy. Um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting though, that they changed it to Butler. Butler was an interesting choice too. Like maybe they wanted to stay away from obviously slave. You're not going to use servant. Um, I don't know. Butler was interesting. Like, I don't think it was a Butler as somebody that you like smack around and tell what to do all the time and make, you know, I mean, yeah, they're the ones that run and get things for you, but, I usually feel like a butler gets treated with a little bit of respect. Um, even if you're it's clear that you work for me, but if you're my butler, you know, I don't treat you like a jerk. Oh yeah. Cause you, you can poison their food. Right. <laughs> uh, so, ah, you know, interesting change, I guess there, uh, night two of new year's bash happened on Wednesday evening. Pac, uh, over Eddie Kingston, uh, the aforementioned Miro and Chuck Taylor match where Miro uh, beat Chuck Taylor. So Chuck Taylor is now his butler for a month uh, until the wedding. That's what it is until the wedding. So about three weeks ish, Uh, Kenny Omega and the best tag team in the world, the tag team champions, the uh, good brothers uh, took on Danny Limelight and the varsity blondes, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison um, and beat, them obviously uh the young bucks were supposed to you know they've been teasing or saying that it was going to be the young bucks um it was going to be the elite i guess is what they kept saying they never said the young bucks they had a little promo beforehand where the young bucks then oh you get your own music you go out and then 
So where did the Bucks go? Were they in on it? Are they mad about it? Like I don't even know. Like it well, was just there was a there was a shot with them next to Tony Khan and Dasha, and they were they were visibly upset. Okay, I missed that then. Okay, I must have looked down or something. But it was like a screen and screen. So like okay. you saw what was happening in the ring, but then you saw that. Yeah, I wanted more out of that. I wanted more. I wanted more of a response from them yep. because they are they are arguably the faces or part of the face of AEW. So, and, and I'm going to be a little frustrated if we had them join with Kenny and the Good Brothers last week. And we're already going to do dissension next week. Like, let that simmer a little bit. Like, let let it be. Oh my gosh, I can't believe the young bucks are helping these guys from Impact. You know, they're they're the EV. They're two of the EVPs here, along with Kenny. Um, you know, and and granted, if you start playing the EVP angle, then it's going to be Cody Rhodes has to come to the um, the aid, which I, I don't want that either. And we can talk about Cody in just a minute here. Um, <laughs> the waiting room. Oh, the waiting room. Um, there, there was a waiting room segment with Britt and and Cody and Jade Cargill um, as well. I can't remember exactly where that fell in the order here of the matches. I, I finished it a little while ago, but I just don't have that in my mind. Uh, FTR took on Jurassic Express of the Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt because Marco um, put his big boy pants on and said he was going to take Luchasaurus's place uh, in that match. And, of course, it kind of went the way you would expect. Uh, Serena Deeb beat Ty Conti, uh, and the TNT title match, Darby Allen beat Brian Cage to retain the title with a really cool crucifix off the second rope, top rope area. Um, I thought that finish was pretty darn cool in that match. Um, yeah. So what'd you think of night two, Tom? Having just yeah. Well, so same, same, what is it? Same song, different verse, same verse, whatever. Uh, bad analogy, but the uh, the curse of the taped show is still going on for me with AEW. Uh, I loved Pac and Eddie Kingston, but that's probably my Eddie Kingston bias. Uh, and there were other high notes in in the night. Like there were things that were really enjoyable. I still feel like there's an energy gap, an energy difference between live shows and taped shows, um, and maybe that's just a mental bias I have to work through. So eh, I don't know. Um, there was a lot of interesting stuff like that, that, that Britt Baker segment. Um, okay. I gotta say, I loved her comment though, that the kid was going to get an action figure before she did. I thought that was a great, and even Cody kind of looked like he, he smirked at that. And I love that. He kind of went, eh, maybe, um, you know, like, I don't know. I just thought that was, uh, she had a couple of decent little zing lines in there, um, that I thought were good. Britt's great, great on the mic. Um, it was a it was a busy segment because you had you 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 don't, I don't even think we heard from Cody Rhodes at all in that segment. Like he got he, he never had, got a word in edgewise. You furthered the Shaq and Jade Cargo thing, and I, I, you know she's actually she's got an aura and she's she can talk. So I mean, however that's going to shake out, you know, because obviously Brandy's not wrestling because she's now with child. Uh, where, where it goes and how it develops, that'll be interesting to watch. But all of it in the end was a mechanism to get us the Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker match at Beach Break. Right. So, and, and two things on what you said there, Tom. One, I thought Red Velvet played her role well. 
um, to kind of now be, you know, she had been kind of Brandy's understudy and she's now going to have to step up into that spot, obviously with Brandy not being able to, um, the slap she laid in on Jade and then Jade laid in a slap on her. I mean, both of them were, whoo, um, the ladies brought it (laughs) with those slaps. Um, but I thought she showed some good fire and that's good for her. And she's, she's got a chance to step into a role that I think she would have been more of a supporting character in, um, pre-pregnancy for Brandy. Um, and now I think she's going to be a little more featured um, in it. She's still going to lose to Jade in her first match, let's be honest. Um, but then, yeah, they cut to this video that was a replay of the attack Britt had had on Thunder Rosa before without anything saying month, a month ago, three weeks ago, however long ago it was. So it was almost like, well, wait a minute, what? when did that happen? And why is Britt still on the mic talking? But now there's a backstage thing where she's beating up Thunder Rosa it was edited really poorly, I thought, honestly. And it, and then it jumped to a promo from Thunder Rosa that you had to stop and go, oh, okay, so that's now. <laughs> so did Thunder Rosa play that video so that she could have her promo? Like, the jumps in it were just, it, it was not good. And for um, a show that should have had edits, or did have, did have edits. It was a tape show. Yeah. You got to get your edits right. <laughs> you can fix that. You can even have a voiceover or something, you know, to not make it chop, chop, choppy, you know, it was Kayantai, I choppy, choppy, never mind. Um, we almost went blue there on that one. So um, I thought it was a good show, though. I thought it was it was a good show. It was a great show. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I really, to, to, to bring it home with that main event, you know, we're, we're still getting whatever's happening between Sting and Darby. And that's, I think, a really long burn, more than likely. But the, but my you know I think the title needs to continue to grow in its uh, value and its merit. So I'm interested to see because it looks like the book should be closed on the Team Taz Darby Allen issue. So who's next for Darby Allen? I hope because otherwise it's going to start getting into Jeff Hardy Elias you know Dolph Ziggler Robert Roode Street Profit. Um, and I like all of the Team Taz guys and I like Darby Allen. So now split them off. If you want to come back to it six months or a year down the road, fine. Um, you know, maybe Brian Cage wins the TNT title, not from Darby, but from whoever beats Darby or Ricky Starks wins the TNT title, maybe down the road. Um, yeah, I agree. It's time to move on and see where those factions or, or people go, um, from here. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it oh, plays. The one thing we didn't, we didn't, we didn't cover in your rundown was the new year's resolutions by the inner circle. Oh, right. Right. And which leads to a three a three way tag exhibition, but San like yeah, and they're they're all angling for a future title shot, and because Jericho claimed he and MJF were going to be the ones to win the titles this year. So again, that 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 long burn of dissension in in the inner circle, clearly the heat between Sammy and MJF is there, and I can't wait to see that match. You know, they are going to build that even better, but I'm ready for it tomorrow. So. Absolutely. You broke up a minute there, but I got what your point was. And I don't know, it was probably on my end because my my internet was being dumb earlier. So apologies, guys, if uh, anything garbled there just for a minute. Um, no, I Sammy Hager, that was fun. Um, I, I'll be honest. So here's my thing. When, ha- when Sammy called Jericho a tag team slut, I don't know. Given Sammy's trouble that he had a few months back because of some really inappropriate remarks that he made about Sasha Banks as a young man. Um, 
you know, whether you feel he was punished enough or not, I know there was a lot of discussion around that at that point. Um, I don't know that I would have had Sammy use that word. Um, there's still another way you could have gone and gotten the same point across. I, I just, maybe I'm hypersensitive to that because of what Sammy said about Sasha in the best. And this obviously wasn't as bad, quote unquote, as what he said about Sasha. And this was in character. That was, you know, an interview where he was just being himself. Um, I don't know. I, I would have picked a different word or a different way to go with that. Um, yeah, you have to be mindful of your audience and in, in, in the use of the language. And and I know you want to use the word S-H-I-T on the show quite a bit, and it's not censored. Well, uh, that, be, that being said, like, you, your audience is kids, too. So, yeah, kind of. And they used it a ton night one. And they did try to bleep it, but they always bleep two words after the swear word. Like their censors were just, I was like, TNT's on a nine second delay for the guy pushing the button. Um, like it was, yeah, it was weird. Um, but looking forward to beach break. Um, I, I think Britt Baker and, and Thunder Rosa will be really good. I think it'll be interesting to see, do we get Kenny Omega and John Moxley there? Or do we, I think we get, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley and the Lucha Brothers, um, potentially at Beach Break, and then we build towards Moxley and Omega at Revolution. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I and I like that, and I I wanted it to be Mox and the Bucks, but you can hold that off probably. And yeah. and and uh, I don't know the dynamic there. It, it goes back to like when I thought for sure we were going to get uh, what was it Buck, the Bucks and Kenny versus Hangman and FTR. We never got that match that I, I was, you know, but it's in my dream still. Maybe now you'll get it with the hangman and uh, dark order, but uh, yeah, I am glad to see the dark order was still on the show and that next week they're going to have a segment and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with dark order moving forward because of Brody Lee's death. And um, it almost seemed like they're going to try to push them baby face, which probably makes sense. Cause it's going to be really hard to boo them right now. Um, yeah. So it probably makes sense to go ahead and flip them and maybe as kind of goofy baby faces, maybe it'll work a little better. I don't know. They're, they're not a top of the card act anyway, so it could work. Well, Tom, you, my friend, I'm going to change how we look here on YouTube a little bit. I'm going to get rid of that. And I'm going to go to that. And Tom ordered some figures from ringside collectibles. I have no idea what he ordered. Um, and Tom knows what he ordered, but he has no idea what actually showed up. Um, <laughs> so Tom's going to do a live unboxing for us here on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast side, uh, this is going to be really anticlimactic for you. Um, so we'll try to talk about what we see come out of this box here. Tom is using scissors now. Uh, so we're not cut on live on YouTube. And uh, so this is a true unboxing. He did not open this beforehand. Tom is going to use his uh, immense power and strength to rip open said box. I'm just trying to help our podcast listeners know what's happening here. Uh, and his strength has not worked, so now the scissors are back. <laughs> and all ten fingers, you still good? We we are we are recording late, so I'm trying to be respectful for those that are sleeping. <laughs> yes. All right, let's see what Tom ordered from ringside here with a little bit of stimulus money, perhaps. This was actually fantasy money. Oh, fantasy money. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see King Corbin, the elite. 
Yes. Very, very nice. Yeah. And it's very cool. Comes with the robe, the scepter, and the crown. There we go. Very nice. Very nice. I made it now so that Tom is a much larger. I'm going to take away that banner to a larger picture on the screen. Figured out how to do that. This next one is special. How, how many figures total do we have, by the way, Tom? Three. Three figures. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This next one's really special. Uh, but I almost had I had buyer's remorse. And I'll and it's it's interesting because I wanted to get the figure that's coming to you in place of this one. But there are oh. no there are no regrets now that I see this. Very, very nice. The stunning Steve Austin with the WCW title. I have I have almost bought that a couple of times. Can I just say too, the big certified authentic thing right on the front of the box? I hate that. Absolutely hate it. But it is what it is on Elites this year, so I'm not going to get into about it. We have Stunning Steve Austin and King Corbin. Both are amazing-looking figures. They are. They are. They look better in person than they do on video. And, uh-oh. Oh, you did. I had no idea, but it is the Ultimate Edition Fiend that I mentioned earlier. Maybe we'd see come out of the box. You had to be wondering if I looked at your order history, Tom. <laughs> That is a cool looking figure. Uh, it is on my list. I need to uh, probably just, I, I keep hoping I'm going to find it at Target and, and I'm going to hit a Target this weekend probably to see if AEW showed up there yet. If the Royal Rumble figures, because I want the Umaga showed up. I've um, been trying to locate a John Moxley for Annette, uh, our friend, and I have been unsuccessful as of yet. Um, I found another road and a hangman page, but no, no mox. So Steve Austin, King Corbin, and uh, The Fiend, very, very cool. And yet I have, uh, what did I say what I have coming? I don't, you know. We did before we recorded, maybe. But What's that? Yeah, I did before we recorded. I, I have a Keith Lee coming, uh, which is uh, late coming, but according to tracking, it's still on its way. So we'll see how much I believe that. Better late than never. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. I also have on pre-order from them, um, but it isn't shipped yet, uh, Davy Boy Smith as well uh, with Matilda. I'm looking forward to that figure as well. So, uh, Tom, let's do some real quick NFL. First of all, I think we both went five and one last no, week. I went three and three. You went three and three. Who did you uh, – remind me again now. I went five and one. I know that. Yeah, so um, Saturday I had the oh. Bills. I had my, yep. I had my Seahawks. And they got they, that wrong. That's they right. Got, they, no. The defense of the Rams was stout. Uh, I had what was the what was the Saturday night game? Now that I'm blanking. Saturday night game was the was an AFC game. It was the Ravens. Uh, no, no, that was, that was Sunday. Sunday at, Sunday at one. <laughs> and this is why we're not an NFL podcast. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, somebody's yelling at the radio right now who it was. Um, oh, it was it, Tampa Bay and Washington. It was Tampa Bay and Washington. You're darn yes. right it was. Yes, yep. and I had Tampa Bay, even though I thought Washington could pull it off. And the t t Taylor Henneke, like that guy looked pretty darn good. I don't know what type of future he has in the NFL, but he looked good. So two and one on day one. And then day two, I had the Titans, and they lost. Oh, and, right. and again, that could have been a coin flip. Um, I had the, the Saints, and they won. And then I had the Steelers, uh, and that was the biggest shocker of the weekend because the Browns 
they let the dogs out. So yeah, they did. They smacked them right in the face. One and two on day two. Well, so let's get our picks in here for the divisional round on Saturday. We have the Rams at the Packers. And then in the evening game, we have the Ravens at the Bills. Uh, we're not, you know, this is no, there's no competition here. We're just kind of doing this for fun. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I'm going to be pulling for the Rams because I'm a Bears fan and I just hate the Packers. But there's no way the Rams beat the Packers. It's just not happening. So I got the Packers. Ravens-Bills, I think, probably is the best game of this weekend. Um, and I think it could be a really, really good game. The Ravens are red hot. But I, there's something about this Bills team I just like. So I'm going Buffalo. I'm going Bills and Green Bay on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same for my picks. Uh, I feel like weather should be a factor. Um, it's actually been an unseasonably warm uh, Midwest winter thus far. Uh, let's keep that going because I don't like driving or shoveling it. Uh, that being said, it'll be it'll be cold in Green Bay on Saturday afternoon, uh, late afternoon, and then it's going to be probably pretty cold and maybe some accumulation in Buffalo, but I heard not so much. But I've also heard Lamar Jackson say whether this is a red herring or not on his, on his part. He doesn't like playing in the snow. He doesn't like he's snow. Never. He's, yeah, he's never. never he's never. He's never. Yeah. So he, yeah. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, he is, he's got incredible talent, so maybe snow is not his kryptonite. Right. We'll see. And then on Sunday, we have the Browns at the Chiefs, and the Bucks at the Saints is the later game. Uh, Cleveland's a great story. They're not beating Kansas City. Kansas City, I mean, probably will be end up my pick to win the whole thing. We'll see how things play out, see how games look, make sure obviously no injuries, things like that. But Kansas City is just the best team in football, I think, right now. Um so Kansas City is going to end the Cinderella run here for Cleveland. Um, and as far as the Bucs Saints, I think that could be the closest game of the the week. They're division rivals. They played each other twice. Um, I'm, I'm doing picks on the Looney Bin forum that you and I are both. Um, I think you're a member there. I don't post there often other than football picks, to be perfectly honest. Um, I picked Tampa Bay. I don't know why. I'm, the Saints are my number two, so I'm going to be pulling for New Orleans. But I just... Tom Brady knows how to win in the playoffs. So I, I went Tampa Bay. Yeah. So Cleveland was the biggest surprise last week. And, and you know, getting shot out of the cannon like they did, I think that was the story um, last Sunday. But the uh, the carriage turns into a pumpkin this coming Sunday, and Kansas City does win uh, and, and sends Cinderella packing. Uh, and then I, I'm also going to go with TB12. You know, I – the guy's got the, the the pedigree and the resume. And as much as I, you know, Drew Brees is top-notch guy, top-notch competitor, it's it's time for Drew Drew Brees to call it a career. With all due respect, I mean, he's he's got the talent still, but he's he's not he's not the the caliber of, of NFL player that he once was. So um, a lot of good surrounding parts, uh, but Tampa Bay is my pick too. So we're 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 I don't know if we're chalk. Because they're not they're not the same the higher seeds we're picking, but we're chalk for picks. Right, right, we are. So it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens uh, this weekend. Again, let us know on our social media what you think will happen in football, wrestling, or anything else. Um, and we will be back real quick. We just have yep. to touch base. I, I want to know because we didn't talk in NXT this week. I know we'll do a big catch up. I'm sure next week. Yep. Dusty Rhodes Classic, which is so funny because I always called the Dusty Cup, and I don't know why I was calling it. But even the talent calls it the Dusty Cup, even though it's not a cup, it's a pair of boots. Um, that tournament started this week. Uh, yep. It's a 16-team tournament, Jim. Isn't that awesome? 
that is. I'm loving it. 16 teams. I love tag teams. Love tournaments. Um, I'm looking forward to watching it probably sometime tomorrow or over the weekend. Um, I haven't seen NXT. I've seen a couple of pictures and clips, so I know a little bit, um, but I don't know a whole lot. Um, I certainly know the tag team that debuted, apparently, um, on NXT, and I'm excited to see them um, and excited to see what what that's all about and what what their debut looked like and, and all of that. I just know that they were there. But uh, I'm interested to see, yeah, where it goes. 16 teams, and they've already announced, I think, four of the women's teams now for the women's Dusty Rhodes uh, Invitational Tournament. Be interesting to see if that's an eight team or if they go 16 women teams, too. I have to think it's going to be eight. I think it's going to be eight. I wish it would be 16, not because I think they actually have 16 women's teams. They've got enough women. They could do it. I just hate when the women's get the thing and then it's not quite. You know, yep. it'd be like if they did a 20 woman Royal Rumble, like you start to make it look like less than um, I'd rather see them even. But I they would have to use some some ladies that they don't use at all right now um, to do that. And I, I don't necessarily want to see, you know, random jobber teams either. So uh, be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch that today. Hey, tournaments, as we keep saying, we love us some tournaments. So two two tag tournaments, cool in NXT. That works for me. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see some of the ladies though that don't get a lot of chance to shine. Maybe they'll get a chance to shine through this tournament a little bit, um, and we'll make a couple new stars along the way, which would be really cool. That'd be awesome. Well, folks, we are going to sign off for this week. We will be back next week to talk NXT and who knows what else with you. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I'm hoping. Maybe I, what I really hope for, Tom. I feel like I haven't seen a Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode versus the Street Profits match in a while, so I'm hoping maybe I get that on SmackDown. It's going to be singles, uh, just to, re- to build the rematch. But, you know, Daw- Dawkins versus I'll Roode. I'll live. <laughs> and we'll continue our look for where in the world is Peyton Royce. <laughs> in the meantime, everybody, uh, don't put up your wanted posters yet or missing, but have a great, great week, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Take care, everybody.